0: Assalamu alaikum, alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone, welcome back to Qur'an 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. want to remind everyone inshallah ta'ala before we get started that alhamdulillah as we are in the last 10 nights now and you are benefiting from all of the content that's coming out. First and foremost, make sure that you are aware of all the programs that are happening right now. So obviously we've still got the Judgment Day series. We still have Qur'an 30 for 30. We now have the Late Night Reflections. The late night dua with Sheikh Sreeman Hani, as well as the rotating Bidnanahi Ta'ala Khatirs at night, the uh, Ramadan Khatir. So it's a lot going on, Alhamdulillah, but I hope you find it all beneficial and are keeping up, inshallah. With that, another reminder, inshallah, ta'ala, to please do donate uh, to Yaqeen. We're in the last 10 nights, and Bidnanahi Ta'ala, if you automate your donation, then that will allow us, inshallah, ta'ala, to truly. Uh, continue to grow inshallah and continue to produce these resources and we count on Allah first and then the generous support of all of you. So I know we spoke about this at the webathon and everything that we're trying to accomplish in the uh, we, we hope that all of you will continue inshallah to support uh, the work that we are doing. Alhamdulillah with that uh, one of our speakers from the webathon and someone that we benefit from tremendously Dr. Vanya, is with us. Dr. Vanya, how are you?
1: Alhamdulillah, doing well and really blessed to be here. Alhamdulillah.
0: <laughs> Allahi Dr. Nani. what was your favorite session of 30 for 30 so far? I'll put oh, you on the spot. How do,
1: how do you pick? Because every single one is a jiz of the Quran. <laughs> how do you pick?
0: <laughs> so that I can interpret that in two ways. Either that means you haven't watched the single ones you say they're all great or you can, you know, you're, you're just being really nice and diplomatic. So it's one of the 2
1: <laughs> I'll keep it at one of the two. In sh- okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alhamdulillah, but I mean, is there anything from from Yaqeen's content that really struck you within these 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 21 days now alhamdulillah. Yeah,
1: actually, I wanted to tell you that um on, on our campus on Stanford University's campus, every single night at Iftar, the, the the students, the Muslim Student Association has a um has an iftar and they watch your judgment day series every single night. So it's uh-huh. literally on a big screen in the middle of Stanford's campus, and every night Yaqeen is just streaming in to Stanford campus. That's about oh, a lot cool. of
0: wow, Very wow, subhanAllah, that's stunning. SubhanAllah Allah accept it on behalf of everyone, the team, and and, and, and for facilitating that. May Allah bless you. I I have another question for you. Where in the world is Sheikh Abdullah Aduru? I don't know where he is anymore. Sheikh Abdullah is in a different place. It it was first like 18, 19 days. I knew where you were, Sheikh. Now I have no idea where you are. You are in the most random of places (laughs) all the time. (laughs) So, Dr. Vanya, do you know where he is, what city he's in?
1: I cannot possibly.
0: Shaykh في Sheikh Yasser, his his uh, his jokes uh, sent you over to Egypt somewhere, man. What, what's going on here? أنا أنت يا Sheikh Abdullah. I'm in South Carolina. Oh, mashallah. Mashallah. Trying to make things happen. We're get, we're gonna get hotel Shaykh Abdullah, today. Then you know so. Inshallah. It means you're gonna bring it, Inshallah, ta'ala as always. always right? I, I, I,
2: mean,
0: I mean, Sheikh Abdullah, we're going to, uh, we've been talking about the ping pong thing for a long time. Next three days, all right? How are you winning? I thought it was
2: like 54% to like my 43 That's just...
0: No, it switched. People voted on Twitter. they I think that you have the lead now.
2: That's what it, I mean. That makes sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to have to get this done, inshallah, within the next few days of the night, Inshallah, inshallah inshallah we'll go ahead and get started so we're now in juz 22 and um there were two verses that uh, really struck me because they give the two sides of the book and what i mean by that is that when we often talk about the recording of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the way in which our deeds are recorded and our destiny is recorded, sometimes we tend to diminish our own deeds by saying that it's already been destined, that we would not do these good deeds or that these sins would be forced upon us. And the precision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree is, is so beautifully spelled out within this Jews uh, first in Surah Fatir, verse eleven, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, khalaqakum min turab and thumma min thumma And Allah subhanahu wa taala is the one who created you from dust, and then He developed you from dirt into a drop, and then from a drop He made you into a pear. And Allah subhanahu wa taala says, min untha, illa bi'idmihi." that no woman conceives or delivers without his knowledge, except that it is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. وَمَا يُعَمَّرْ مِن مُعَمَّرٍ وَلَا ينقص من عمره إلا في كتاب. Okay, so subhanAllah, the two sides of this. No one's life. No one who lives long, or no one's life will be long, or يُنْقَس, or will be cut short. كتاب, except that it is already written in a record. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the various stages of coming into this life and then how long you're going to live. But notice here that the nature of what you do in life is actually not elaborated on here. So this is Surah Fatir, 30, so chapter 35, verse 11. Then you go to Surah Yaseen, which is the next Surah, 36. Verse 12, نَحْنُ نحي الْمَوْتَىٰ وَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَدَّمُوا وَآثَارَهُمْ وَكُلَّ شَيْءٍ فِي إِمَامٍ مُبِينٌ That it is us, certainly, who resurrect the dead, and then we write down everything that they have sent forth and everything they have left behind. You know, uh, مَا قَدَّمُوا are the deeds that you have brought with you, the deeds that you have put forth with that life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you. Okay? And what they leave behind in terms of the legacy, the, uh, the footprint, the effect, the impact. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about bringing forth the mustard seed on the day of judgment, it is everything that was affected by that mustard seed. Okay, so the one who sets an example of good and people follow in it or the opposite of that, right? It is all written with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, inna nahnu al we are the ones who give life to the dead and we write down what they have sent forth and what they have left behind and everything is listed by us everything is precisely recorded في imam min in this perfect record with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is talking about al-lawh al as the ulama mentioned so subhanallah you see you know verse 11 in one surah and then verse 12 one verse Allah is talking about the precision of creation and decree, and how you even got here, right? How you got here in the first place, right? And it was already decreed how long you were going to live before you even came into this life. Subhanallah. So it was written before you even came into this life, how long it was going to be. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extends and decreases as he sees fit. And Allah in the next surah talks about what we have put forth in terms of our deeds, and the recording of that, what we did with our lives. And none of it escapes the writing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of it escapes the decree. Now, of course, from a a technical point, uh, which is an important one, especially when we talk about Laylatul Qadr, uh, the night of decree, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to witness it with worship and to be accepted within it. Allahumma ameen. Uh, We talk about the idea of changing Qadr, changing your divine decree, and the idea of records being written on that night. Of course, there are several writings that exist in the Sharia. There is the, or in, in the religion, there is the writing of al-lawh al which is the preserved tablet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That does not change. And that tablet takes into consideration what happens, what happens, what would have happened, right? So it has all of the, the things that could have happened, would have happened, all of those things are recorded in al-lawh al Mahfud, the preserved tablet. And then you have the writings, the annual writings, which are the writings of the angels. And they write what Allah commands them to write. And that decree, the writing of the angels, and the, uh, the, the different types of kitabah, the different types of writing of decree, that the angels who don't have unlimited knowledge, Allah has unlimited knowledge, the angels don't have unlimited knowledge. That the angels write, that's where Allah subhanahu, wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes out and he confirms. Why? Because in those records, it may be that it was decreed for you initially to pass away in this year, for example, but Allah extended it due to a good deed that you have done. Or you made dua for something, and the dua changed the qadr, or you gave sadaqah and the sadaqah changed the qadr. Now. None of it can escape Allah's infinite wisdom and knowledge, which is why even that would be recorded. That so-and-so was to live this much, but then he will make dua, or she will make dua, and then this will change, and all of that is recorded for Imam and mubi and Allah Azawajal's writing. Now, with all of that being said, subhanAllah, what is the one writing we're going to be confronted with on the Day of Judgment? Our deeds. Our deeds. Allah will not show you a ma'fud al on the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not show you the writing of his divine decree on the day of judgment, because that's not what caused you into the condition that you're in. It's your deeds that you'll be accountable for. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is all recorded with precision, none of it escapes the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that precise recording should lead you to have a greater awe of the one who is recording, right? Not to feel like you are under compulsion and that you cannot escape this writing, but you certainly cannot escape him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he is irresistible and he is inevitable, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so you continue to put forth and to write your own books, right? Iqra'a kitabak, the, 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 the scrolls of the angels. These are the books that you are writing. nafsika al alayka hasiba, and you are enough of a witness against yourself. But it is really just a profound... Uh, transition that we see here between these two surahs that caught my attention subhanallah the recording before you got here the recording after you leave may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to put forth only that which is good and forgive us for any of our shortcomings and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase the good footprints that we leave on this earth and let it be a larger share of al-firdaus al-a'la and the companionship of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam allahumma amin. shaykh Abdullah, bismillah tfadlal.
2: I like how you ended it by saying, you know, may Allah taala allow us to put our good foot forth. It's important for us to remember that a good deed is repentance as well. You know, a lot of times we may commit a sin and then we repent. Repentance is a good deed. And as Ibn al-Qayyim subhanAllah graciously mentions in his book, Uh, the, the The Shower of Good Utterances, he talks about how if we are wise, how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, within His wisdom and hakim, will allow us to commit a sin as a motivation to be better. I.e., when you commit that sin, you ponder and contemplate over it, and that should motivate you to seek forgiveness from Allah. Hence, being a good deed inshallah wa Taala. So, within these last ten days, it's really time for uh, inflection. We really have to look at ourselves and realize that uh, we do commit these sins and it's important for us to reflect on those sins that we can even remember. And that's what I want to really want to capitalize on because you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his infinite mercy, his infinite wisdom, his infinite knowledge, if he dis- if he decides to take a nation or to take a world, it's because of his infinite knowledge and wisdom and mercy at the same time. All of the beautiful names and attributes are and they have some type of connection to one another. So I want to capitalize this in Jews 22, the verse uh, in the chapter Falter, where Allah wa talks about His Qudrah. He talks about His ability and gives you some of, you know, a, a tidbit of His wisdom behind it. He says, "After A'udhu <laughs> billahi Minash shaitanir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and I will split this into three parts. The first part is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if God were to punish people for the wrong that they have done, all at once, he would not have left any creature on the face of the earth. We know that that took place with Nuh alayhi salam, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the water to come from, from the top and from the bottom and spring forth from the earth and to come from the skies, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, amrin with the two bodies of water from above you and from below you, Sprung forth at an amount that he knows. It's only known with Allah. As some of the scholars mentioned, the whole earth was full of water except people on Noah's Fulk on the ark. So at that time, that's proof that Allah has total, total control over all things, as we've known, but actualizing that through the life of Nur is important for us to remember. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying if he was to do that all at one time, he wouldn't leave anything on this earth. That should be. You know a reminder for us to realize that firstly, the sins that we commit, the shortcomings that we have, it's human, but it's also human to, to have that level of repentance. The key from intiqad from moving from here to there is contemplation. It's thinking, it's pondering. And that brings forth humility where one cries over their sins, where one ponders over themselves and doesn't ponder over other people's mistakes. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He talks about taking a nation, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the chapter of Al A'raf, uh, and for every nation has their appointed time. Every nation has their appointed time. If their time and their appointed time was to come, they cannot delay it, nor can they hasten it. It's all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do to, as he chooses and as he wills to destroy a nation or to bring forth some type of, as we say, you know, natural disaster. But it's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to choose that. And the ones that were righteous at that time, as the Prophet told Aisha in another narration, he told Umm Salama, ala niyatihi. The ones that did good, they'll be raised upon by their intentions because he is al-adud. So when we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that he can easily take all of us away at any moment. As he mentions in numerous verses, suddenly, suddenly, we just look at any storm that we have faced and we didn't expect it. That's just a tidbit of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to do. The second portion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, uh, he gives him respite for a state of time whenever the time comes and God uh, has been watching with his servants. So the second part is when he talks about he gives them respite for a stated time. We understand that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala chooses to do what He wills, when He wills, how He wills. This is important for us to remember that we worship Allah on His terms and not on our terms. We have good expectations of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, as it mentions in Hadith Qudsi. When we have those good expectations, we understand the beauty and the reality or a tidbit of the reality of those beautiful names and attributes. And the name that struck me here is Al Halim. How Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is Al-Halim. How He is the one that grants respite and may delay a punishment or even a good due to His ultimate wisdom. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he delays a punishment, it does not mean that he was not able to punish. You know, we me, me as parents sometimes We may want to show or do tadib Or to, to, to show a consequence Of something that was done wrong by our children Or an employee or something of that nature Because we have a level of authority Of guardianship, etc But we're not able to sometimes Because we're, we we don't have that ability to do so But Allah is al He is able to do all things Realizing that with his ability He chooses when to do something Or when to prohibit something He chooses when to bring his adab And when to bring his his, his, his na'am that we face every single day. So looking at this third portion, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, uh, God has been watching over all of his servants. Servants. What's beautiful here after understanding that Allah is able to do all things and that he is al qadir and that subhanAllah, his him, his forbearance, his love, it's couched in mercy. It's couched in love of his, his slaves more than anyone or anything else. Allah subhanahu continues, it ends by saying, wa kanallahu? Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَإِنَّ كَانَ بِعِبَادِهِ For really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is with his servants بصيران. What's beautiful here is the scholars mention How Allah says كَانَ And كنا, It means a الدوام So Allah says Allah is always Has been Is And always will be Watchful of his servants And that's one of the beautiful names of Allah That he is Basir. So this verse, subhanAllah, in conclusion, it really, really reminds me of Allah being Al-Hareem and then concluding it with Al-Masir, that his forbearance in holding in holding uh, any punishment from us and realizing that we need to take a take part in really thinking about the deeds that we have done, the shortcomings that we even remember, and using that as a motivation to call on him in these beautiful names, especially in these last 10 nights to call these beautiful names and attributes, see how they reflect in our lives, and always know that Allah has been, is, and always will be watching us with his mercy and his love. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that are conscious of his beautiful names and attributes, For really that is what magnifies the greatness in our hearts, inshallah
0: ta'ala. Jazakallah <laughs> you look smooth, man, but it's, it's uh, you, you look good, alhamdulillah. You sound good. The, the noise in the background, <laughs> I'm like, i'm like i wonder I, I was waiting for someone to just to just come look at your camera you know come look in for a moment you know but no may Allah bless you honestly i want to thank you Jazakallah khair. You're, you're you're the way you're you're adjusting may Allah bless you it's your commitment to the quran may Allah raise you and make you from the people of quran khair for always just adjusting man may Allah reward you we appreciate it man and beautiful words subhanAllah i think especially what you shared about kana being a du'am that you know some if you read the english he was you'll say why why is allah saying he was merciful right but actually when he says he was it means he always is in the arabic language subhanallah so i think that's such an important point that you bring here khair. dr rania alhamdulillah i mean and you're in your in your perfectly cozy office uh, <laughs> then we, we we look forward to hearing what you have to share bismillah tafadl dr bi
1: I'm going to dovetail right where Sheikh Abdullah talked about um, contemplation and really thinking about the verses, subhanAllah, also speaking about Surah Fatir. And the reason I want to do that is because we have entered in the last ten nights of Ramadan. And this is a time where if all of the different sunnas of the Prophet him, if we haven't come to them, we really want to try, especially the one that was that he never left in Ramadan, which is i'tikaf or spiritual seclusion. And it's that time of year, mashallah. And I have to tell you both Sheikh Umar and Sheikh Abdullah, you know, in the last few years in the women's world, we had a trending hashtag. It was called i'tikaf at home. Because of Ramadan, twenty twenty and twenty one, were in you know at home, and so many women said that they benefited so much from doing atikaf sometimes for the first time in their life, um, and because they were able to do so at home, barring from the Hanafi school, but here you know the masajid are open again. And men and women both are able to go to do a'tikaf. And there might be a subset of women who do a'tikaf at home still. But I want to say that this sunnah of the Prophet wasallam; these are the days to capitalize on them. And I really hope people do so. And I was reviewing Surah Al-Fatir today and really thinking about um, how it answers a question that I always get asked, which is, okay, in a'tikaf, you might do prayers and Qur'anic recitation, dua, Vikr, listening to wonderful series like this one, mashallah, to fill your Islam- Islamic knowledge. But how else do you fill in the time? That's always the question that seems to come up. And here's where you know I ask in return, you know, people that ask, you know, have you ever tried Islamic contemplation? And they'll say things like, Have you mean meditation? And it's like, no, that's slightly different. Meditation in its current form right now is, you know, secularized and comes from Buddhist roots. We have kind of very indigenous forms of ibadah that are much more holistic and that our teachers of spirituality have written about extensively. And I really hope that in a state of attikaf that people are going into inshallah, that they use this inshallah, this internally and externally focused attention to your heart, your mind, yourself, your soul through contemplation. And there's so many different forms and I'll just quickly mention too. You have Imam Ghazali who talks about eternal contemplative tools. A couple of the ones he talks about are like muraqaba, self-monitoring, or muhasaba, self-evaluation. You have Ibn al-Qayyim who talks about more externally contemplative tools like tafakkur, contemplative reflecting, or tadabbur deeply contemplating the meaning of something and in this case the Quran. And so I'm going to share a formula that I use that I learned from my teachers when I was studying in Damascus. And it's a simple formula but it's a powerful formula and it it goes like this. It's really a tiered approach. When you want to reflect on, you know, people say, how do I even begin to reflect on the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So you could start with reflecting on your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at its core. And then you go to the next level out and on The relationship with people in your life, your friends, your family, your spouse, your kids, your boss, whoever you have in your life. And then after that, you may go to your community, to the ummah, to the globe, and then eventually to the universe. Or you can go the other way, all the way through from the universe, to the globe, to the ummah, to the community, to your people, and then to yourself. Your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of my favorite surahs to do this with is Surah Fatir. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there's many surahs like this, but here he's using something called guided imagery, or we can use guided imagery through this, where there's so many beautiful um, concepts that if you, in your mind's eye really think about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing, and we're going to start from Surah uh, Fatir verse 9, and kind of go through some of these descriptions, and in your mind's eye kind of really think through what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, and then he asks us kind of rhetorical questions that through them, we're able to actually Understand his greatness in much more clarity. So, if you look, for example, at, at verse 9, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah is the one who sends the winds. So, you think of the winds, right? And they're carrying this, stirring up this vapor formed clouds. And the winds drive them to a barren land. It's lifeless, it's dry, it's dusty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He brings life from this dead earth. And then says, and similar will be our resurrection. Because when you think back in a state of you know attikath, and when you're contemplation, you think back and say, What is my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How did he create me? And and Shayya, you talked about a verse actually that comes very right, very close after this where you talked about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala khala, Allahu min turab, right? that he created us from dust. And this earth was dusty and dead, and he brought it back to life, and we were created from dust. And, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to go on to say, Thumma min literally a drop of seminal fluid. And when you think about what that means in relation to the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are but a drop, right? You're able to sit back and really reflect on his greatness. And that starts the healing process that we're going to talk about through contemplation. And in that same verse, Allah ends it by saying, Inna this is certainly easy for Allah, Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, making it clear to us who's actually in charge. And then if that's not enough for somebody, the next few verses invite us to look at the world around us. And Allah starts with the waters, right? The bodies of water with which no living creature can survive without And it would just be a few days without water that we would perish. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He compares the two bodies of water and says they're not alike. One is fresh and pleasant to drink, and the other is salty and bitter. And you think subhanallah you sit back in the contemplative mode and you sit back and you think, what if everything was bitter and salty? What would that have been like? Right, but Allah from His mercy, and then the ayah goes on, and from both sets of water He's able to bring forth, you know, tender seafood that we can eat, and ornaments that we can wear, right? And in a different surah, Surah Al Rahman, you know, you think about the imagery of Subhanallah, and if you haven't looked this up, I hope folks look this up. When you see the fresh water and salt water come close to each other, and how they come right up to each other, but they do not merge, right? right? Like they do not heard. And you think to yourself, subhanAllah, I can't do that. Nobody else I know can do that. And then you really start to understand the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you go from there and it's as if Allah is saying, okay, if the signs on earth aren't enough, then look to the heavens. Maybe that'll do it for you. Right. He merges the night into day and day into night. You know, Shah Hamad and Shabala, we've been in a pandemic for over ten—over, I was going to say, ten years. But may Allah make us not have ten years of pandemic in only two years. Is what I meant to say. That's a barakallah. And so in these like two, cut, years... cut,
0: cut. <laughs> so not go ahead. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> Allah make this pandemic end. The
0: going to get blamed if it goes ten years now. This no, not... no. a
1: barakallah. <laughs> two years, three years. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, inshallah, it's capping soon, yaro. But you know, in these two years, Shah we have been, um, and Shah we have been. In, in and out of these virtual meetings all the time, all the time. And there's always some tech issues, some glitches, some microphone, camera issues, something's happening, subhanAllah, bandwidth issues. And I think about this verse of, and I love the word yulaj, right? Like he just merges day into night and there's no glitches with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are no errors with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is seamless. And we go to sleep every night expecting that when we wake up, it'll be day. And when every day we expect night will come and we don't think about it, it literally just happens. There are no errors ever, subhanallah. And if that's not enough, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right after it says, He subjugated the sun and the moon, each orbiting in their appointed terms. Right? The sun doesn't come crashing down at us, the moon doesn't come crashing down at us. And if you really think about this, that if they were, then who else is going to hold them up except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is a verse a little bit later in the surah. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends this verse, allahu rabbukum lahul mulk. this is Allah, your Lord, and all authority belongs to him. And this is where, you know, this is the point we're trying to get to in this meditative contemplation, to see the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to allow it to shrink our own egos and our own issues right? Because we think the world, subhanAllah, may Allah forgive us, we think the world revolves around us. And what we don't realize is our problems and our issues, when you see the greatness of Allah, they start to shrink back to real size. This is a very powerful meditative contemplation is so powerful. And you start to really connect with Allah and realize that we're literally just another everyday blade of grass, except for those who come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a qalbun salim, with a sound heart. And he doesn't look at our faces or our outward forms, he looks into our hearts. And so I hope, inshallah, this is kind of helps break down and inspires people, inshallah, to take on what might seem complicated, like a meditative contemplation. How do you take this on both inside and outside of Ramadan, but especially folks are doing the sunnah i'tikaf inshallah. And really, um, I, I really believe that meditative contemplation has a very strong healing potential spiritually but it also opens up this window for psychological and emotional healing as well. So my du'a is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heal us this Ramadan, um, this healing journey that we're all on. Allahumma ameen.
0: Amin. Jazakum Allahumma Very profound, uh, beautiful words, alhamdulillah. And I think, um, subhanAllah, what you, what you touched upon here, and it was the part that, that in the webathon even, like when you mentioned this concept of no glitches, I think that part of entitlement is expectation, right? You know, in many ways, they, they become synonymous, or at least expectation is a huge part of entitlement that you don't ask Allah to bring the date, time, tomorrow. You just know it's coming. Right. You know, subhanAllah, you don't, you don't, and, and how does the Muslim change that with dhikr? Alhamdulillah, ladi <inaudible> ahyana, bada ma amatana, nashur. Like you're thanking Allah when you wake up in the morning for giving you life after death. That's the most, that is the most, I don't want to use the word extreme, but intense, right? Form of gratitude, like, yeah, Allah, I can't even take for granted that I'm going to keep breathing throughout the night, you know, uh, before even opening my eyes to the world once again, that you've, that you've allowed me to open my eyes to, alhamdulillah. So, alhamdulillah, right? You're thanking Allah for resuscitation every day until the ultimate resurrection, which mimics something that we become used to on a regular basis and and i think it is profound and it's the mu'min becomes more aware of allah's greatness when they become more aware of his favors and when you become more aware of his greatness and his favors you become more aware of your own shortcomings and your own your own vulnerabilities uh, to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so it's it's such a uh, this is such a profound chapter uh, all of the Quran is profound, of course, but this Juz uh, really, you know, Surah Yasin, Fatr and Yaseen really bring that home, subhanAllah, in such such a great way that the originator is always in charge. The originator is constantly sustaining and our origin is is a blessing in and of itself. Our our existence is a blessing that we can't take for granted and certainly the way that he allows us to communicate and the way that he allows us to continue even this, SubhanAllah, this glitchy technology, we would not have been able to do it without Allah Subhanahu Wa right? So we still fall short over and over again. May Allah reward you for those beautiful reflections. Shaykh Abdullah, is there anything you'd like to share? A conclusion?
2: Uh, definitely, one is, and definitely how you mentioned Fatah, the originator, and then we have the fitra as well, our original form, and you see the, the, the morphological makeup of these three radical letters, Fatah, rah. You know, it's, it's huge. Uh, just looking at how our original self, like the motherboard, uh, that, you know, Allah has given us, that we, you know, the Shari'a tries to call us back to, to beautify and align. Um, I just want to ask Dr. Ania, you know, I'm kind of jealous of her because she was able to be around Sheikh Malik Badri, ta'ala. I really immensely benefited from his book, particularly, it changed my life, contemplation. If you can just grace us with, you know, just you know, some of the moments you had with him, just one benefit of something that he said, rahimahullah ta'ala, I don't think people know about him as they should and the books that he's written. Um, but I personally benefited, I read it numerous times and told you know psychology students about it. And it's changed them as well, like Fairland, really. Uh, the book Contemplation. I mean, if you can just share some moments or some benefits that you have from him. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah. Allah bless you. And Malik, have mercy on him, subhanAllah. he's just passed away only a little over a year ago, rahmatullahi a'ala. And somebody like you said, um, you know, he often would describe some of our early Islamic scholars as precocious genius. I think he was a precocious genius. Fatiha, way ahead of his time. Um, just in brief, mashallah, uh, Dr. Madik Badri, for those who don't know him, and please do look him up, He um, we, we call him in the field as the father of modern um, Islamic psychology, somebody who really revived the concept of Islamic psychology and in fact this entire section behind me here is like all of Dr. Maddox's books <laughs> inshallah. and so absolutely it's it's um his book contemplation uh talks about as you said exactly these points we were talking about today like how it really kind of goes through very practical step by step how to actually do this and how it transforms people's lives it's so beautiful to hear that you know Sheikh had that connection from the book you know when he um was alive, subhanAllah, there's some very beautiful special moment that I'm going to share very quickly, but I had once um, traveled to a conference actually in Pakistan, and he at the time was in Turkey, and I rerouted my return flight to the US to stop in Istanbul just to like see him, subhanAllah, again, like as a mentor, and um, and when I took that trip, subhanAllah, it was the last trip and that I saw him, and he had passed, you know, very soon thereafter. Um, And he said, come, I have have something to show you in my office. And out of the office, he pulls out um, his the original book that he had used or he had, you know, for Abu Zayd al-Balhi, who's a ninth century scholar. And very quickly, Abu Zayd al-Balhi, you know, we we have some papers actually written on this where, you know, alhamdulillah was able through Dr. Badri's writings, he was able to say, Balhi is likely one of the first to really talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which is now used so much in the field. And my papers are looking more at like specific psychiatric conditions like OCD and phobias and proving that our Islamic scholars figured these things out nearly a millennium before Western, you know, psychologists did. And so he pulled off this book, from the shelf, and he said, this is the original book that was stuck in the Hagia Sophia's library for literally hundreds of years, dusty. And it was... Uh, misfiled. So people hadn't found it for so long. And then a friend of a friend had found it and given it to Dr. Badri. And when he saw it, he said, this is amazing. I've got to do something with this. And that's how we have the translation now of Balhi's book. So it's just, you know, people like that, you know, that Allah has placed them in a certain period and a certain time to revive something when the time was ready for it. And that's what he would always say. This is the time where the Muslims are finally ready and the world is finally ready for what people combated him for early on, which is bringing mental health into the discussion again and saying this is our heritage. And mashallah, he's left in his path, you know, his his legacy, inshallah, is all of us students of his that you know are inshallah hoping to revive the field. In profound. you
0: had something else? No, just the name
2: of the book from Belkhani, is Sustenance of the Soul, correct?
1: Yes, Sustenance of the Soul. He translated the second half of the book on specifically the psychological conditions. Yeah. Cool. Masalih al-Abdan wal-Anfus is the full name of the Arabic text.
2: Another beautiful book. Beautiful book. And I, I don't know if people know about it. If you, in the intro, mentioned uh, talk about Maristan, I think it's very important that people know about it as well,
1: inshallah. Alhamdulillah, the Maristan, yes, mashallah. It's, it's, it's through works like that that I was really inspired because I... For me, and this is the name of the organization, it's because the um, the Muslims, from all we did with all the historical, uh, you know, digging up, mashallah, of our Torah, of our heritage, you know, really finding out that the Muslims were the first in human history to develop in their hospitals psychiatric wards, like specific areas for mental health and psychological healing and then they had the talk therapies and the sound therapy and the and the water therapy and art therapy and color therapy all these different forms of therapy and people hear this and say is this some new age thing that you guys took from the west no this is our islamic tradition and it's because of the you know the, the impetus where islam says to really heal ourselves fully and that allah like the hadith says of the prophet that if allah sent down an illness he sent down its cure and so mental health was no exception to the rule. And so alhamdulillah, we've named our organization madistan the Madastan is the original term, hoping to revive that tradition of the Muslims, inshallah ta'ala.
0: Jazakumullah khair. May Allah bless you. Jazakumullah khair, Sheikh for prompting that. This is just great to be a, you know, an observer of that conversation that just happened. So may Allah bless both of you for for that. And bringing in, of course, the name of Dr. Malik Badri, rahimullah. Of course, I'm a graduate of Iium. He was our uh, our, our uh, uh someone that we looked we looked up to quite a bit at, at IIUM in Malaysia, alhamdulillah. And he also, for many people that don't know, uh, was someone that Malcolm X al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, looked up to and admired, met in Sudan. And in fact, uh, according to many accounts, the name Malik al-Hajj Malik al-Shabazz, Malcolm took the name Malik after meeting Malik al so it's that's how profound of an impact he had on him, subhanAllah, in, in his meeting with him. So may Allah have mercy on him and, and on Al Hajj, Malik as well, and all of the righteous that have passed before and allow us to join with them. Allahumma amin. SubhanAllah, we talked about sanaqtu ma qaddamu wa afarahum. We ended up talking about afarahum, right? Totally unplanned, but Allah Azza plans. SubhanAllah. Allah khair. Beautiful session. Zakkamallah khair, Dr. Rania. Zakkamallah khair, Abdullah. Inshallah, so, we'll see all of you tomorrow. As-salamu <usperate> alaykum ar- wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaykum
1: alaykum <laughs> wa